Father, we come before you and we thank you for, again, our time and this time that we can have to, uh, again, return to your word. And we thank you, Father. Uh, indeed, your love has lifted us. And may that ever be present in our uh, in our eyes, in our hearts, in our lives. And, and, and Father, uh, even as we sang in that last verse, and then we see that Jesus is indeed master over the seas as uh, the billows come and as the waves become unsettled. Uh, even as we, we saw this morning, we need to rest in the peace that is in Christ and that you give. And so we, we pray that we would do that even when that is the world around us. And, uh, and we can then and even then be still because we know that you are God and you are our life, our portion, our prize. And may that be so as we now uh, go to your word. Help us, Lord, and bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, today, you know, we have the joy of, you know, not only beginning one book of the Bible, uh, we began Colossians this morning, but tonight we will begin another book of the Bible to begin walking through. So over the course of the next few weeks, we will be studying, and I didn't tell you this in the morning, but we'll be studying the book of Jonah. And so that last verse in uh, we just sang in the billows of the sea, the master, Jesus is master over them. Well, we're going to see some of that uh, tonight. So now, of course, you know, many of you remember uh, the hearing the stories of Jonah uh, when you were younger, perhaps how, you know, you were taught them in Sunday school, or maybe your dad or your mom or your grandpa or grandmother, you know, told you the story of Jonah. Or maybe you're most familiar with the story of Jonah because you watched, you know, the life-altering VeggieTales version of Jonah, uh, the VeggieTales story. And after watching that, you just, you knew, you know, this is what, you know, God has to say. Um, but no, uh, tonight, though, I pray, uh, first of all, that we come to this book ready to receive it, uh, not uh, really as a, a memorable movie or, you know, a story where pirates don't do anything, but that we would come under it as the word of God. And Jonah is a book about something we all need. But none of us deserve. It's about God's mercy and about God's compassion. So in this, I pray we, secondly, would come away from this book having seen the compassion and mercy of God towards all peoples, that we would be a people of compassion and mercy toward all peoples. And if we don't come away from this book that way, we might be standing alongside Jonah <laughs> um, when we should not be. And so this morning, you know, we ended on the point that we would uh, never forget how the gospel came to us. Well, it came to us how? In mercy and in compassion in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our deadness, you know, in the midst of our need. Well, consider then how much does mercy and compassion relate to the gospel? It's huge, so I mean, greatly to say the least. So may our walk through the book of Jonah work to foster 
in us hearts and lives and a church that is merciful and compassionate because we personally have experienced the mercy and the compassion of God ourselves. Hence, we would intentionally not forget how the gospel came to us. So if you would then open your Bibles, as I've heard you already doing, and turn to Jonah chapter 1, and we will read beginning in verse 1 to verse 16. Yes, almost the entirety of the chapter, so we're going to walk through all of chapter 1. So may God bless the reading of his life-transforming word. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a, give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, And they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amen. Amen.
the word of the Lord. So let's begin walking through this chapter by first looking at Jonah, the son of Amittai. So this short description of Jonah helps us really immensely in knowing this prophet, knowing Jonah. In fact, you know, it may be surprising to find out that this is not actually the first time the Bible talks about Jonah, the son of Amittai. We have actually heard Jonah elsewhere in our Bibles. The first time we read of Jonah is actually in 2 Kings 14.25, under the reign of King Jeroboam II. So we are told that this king, King Jeroboam II, that he was an evil king. So if you know how the kings go for the kingdoms of Judah, kingdom of Judah and kingdom of Israel, you know, there were kings who did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and then there were the kings who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and King Jeroboam II was a king who had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet we learn that Jonah was a faithful prophet during Jeroboam's reign. Interesting. It even says that Jonah was a servant of God. And so it says there in 2 Kings 14.25, it says he, Jeroboam II, restored the border of Israel from Lebohamoth as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath. So Jonah was faithful. At least he was faithful. And this this is so interesting that Jonah was faithful under an evil king to proclaim the word of God. Until, at least until God went too far. Until God asked Jonah to declare his word to Gentiles. Israel was set-apart people of God, His chosen people, how dare God extend His mercy and His word to the nations? Now before we all get out of our stones out here and begin throwing them at Jonah, there are areas in us that we may have labeled off-limits as well. Lord, I will go wherever you tell me. I will do whatever you ask. I am a servant of Christ. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. But don't, but just don't ask this of me. So here we need to be challenged by the word of God. Are there areas in your life where you have said this far and no farther? If God called you to follow him to the ends of the earth, would you go there? Would you declare his word there to perhaps a people that you may not like? Or, and this may be the harder one, how about following him to the end of our lawns? The end of our neighborhoods? You know, I will follow you only within my comfort zone and no farther. And that's harder. But I think this is, is what is happening with Jonah. God has called him to do something he had not expected God to call him to do. 
He was being called to do something that he was not willing to do. So there's Jonah. What about Nineveh? Nineveh was a great city, which can mean an important city, but it was an evil city. Nineveh was 500 miles northeast of Israel. During the life of Jonah, it would have been part of the Syrian Empire. A Gentile, unbelieving people. You know, later, Nineveh would actually become the capital of Assyria. So they deserved judgment. And Jonah was to go tell them God's judgment was coming. Yet at the same time, God was giving them a chance to repent. And this was Jonah's problem. Jonah knew that if they repented, God would show the Gentiles mercy because God is like that. And here's where we are challenged as well to uproot our attitudes in our hearts that keep us from sharing the gospel. We are not called to judge the worthiness or unworthiness of someone or whether they are worthy enough to hear the gospel. You know, I I remember hearing the assessment of a leader of a church, you know, their church, it was... uh, you know, a few miles away from an, an area, a little town that was rather run down. Uh, you know, there were uh, people who, uh, you know, were involved in drugs in this this town, um, and they were doing uh, some things that were rather unseemly. Well, the leader's assessment of the community was this. Those people can stay there. We don't need their kind here. And that's cringeworthy. But let me ask us, myself included, are there people we have said are unworthy of this gospel? They're too far gone. They're too hard. And here we need to come back to the point of the book. God is a God of mercy and compassion. And we are to be as well. And this is where God's word must challenge us. Let it uproot attitudes that need not be there. Let it transform our hearts and let us be a mercy-proclaiming and compassion-filled people. Even as we would never forget that the gospel came to us. So, there's Jonah, there's Nineveh. Now we see that Jonah, he, he does what he flees. What is he fleeing from? He's fleeing from God's word, God's word, yes. He's fleeing from God's mercy extended, yes. But note that it says he flees from the presence of God. It says it twice in verse 3, and it says it again for us in verse 10. So the repetition of this phrase is noticeable. Let me ask, who does this remind you of? Well, let me point you one place. Genesis 3, 8. Yes. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of 
the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, could they really hide? (laughs) You know, rationally, we know the answer is, of course not. You know, God is everywhere present. He is omnipresent. He is all-knowing. He's omniscient. And he is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. So they could not hide. But you know, I think, honestly, sometimes we're kind of the same way. You know, we hide our sins and we hide them well. Such that when we see it in the news that this person did that or this person did that or your neighbor, well, they were doing exactly what we've always done. We've tried to hide our sin, hide it from the presence of the Lord. So what? It does sound rather un, not, not all that rational, but we all do it. So we next see that indeed God, he finds Jonah and he brings judgment on him. And the power of this tempest is so great that the mariners, they are terrified. And by the way, they are mariners. (laughs) They've seen storms before, right? So, but this storm, it was different. It was not the same as storms they have seen before. The mariners, when they saw this storm, they, de- they were desperate. And they desperately responded to God's judgment. They threw cargo overboard. All this while Jonah, he was asleep. So when they find Jonah, they use words similar to God's words. Remember, At the beginning, he says here, Arise, go to Nineveh, call out. What words do they use to Jonah? Arise, call out to your God. So here in the midst of this misty, dreary, terrifying scene, we need to take heed to the point. Run to God and not run away from God. John Piper, he tells the story of a time when, you know, him and his son went to go and visit a friend. And he tells a story like this. He says, when my son Karsten was six, we went to visit a friend who had a, a giant German shepherd. You know, Karsten, he opened the door and met the dog eye to eye. And he was quite afraid of this big dog. And our friend Dick said, not a problem, just relax, he's okay. And so we sent Karsten to the car to get something that we had forgotten. He went running to the car. And the dog came lopping with a low rumble behind him. And he gets afraid of him. And Dick hollers from the door, Oh, Karsten, you better not run away from him. He does not like it when people run away from him. Just walk. Put your arm around his neck. John Piper goes on to make the point that it is the same way with God. It is dangerous to run from God, but it is good to run to God. It's no good running from God. Running from God, it brings judgment, despair, brokenness, death. And some of you may be doing that. Remember, my friends, God is good. He is merciful. He is kind. Seek 
Him. Run to Him. Love Him. Give Him your heart, your mind, your life, your aspirations. Make it your resolution to always say yes to Him and His Word. And that is good. And is and will be for your everlasting good. Well, let's take our final moments here and look at the rest of this chapter. So let's look first here at the the mariners. These were Gentile, ungodly sailors. they, They stand in direct contrast to Jonah. They are... And actually almost a positive light. They are responding to God's judgment. They are uprising. They are calling out. Though to their false gods, they are calling out. They're concerned with the judgment that is upon them. And Jonah is not. So notice God's persistent mercy towards Jonah here in Jonah chapter 1. So, You may be wondering, what in the world do you mean God's persistent mercy towards Jonah? I don't see any mercy here. I see, you know, he's getting this, you know, tempest laid upon him and upon these mariners uh, because he's fleeing from God. God is indeed bringing waves of judgment upon Jonah while the mariners seem to have some sense about them and are trying to avoid this ghastly judgment. Now, Note that God, he did not smite Jonah on the spot. He could have. I mean, he probably deserved it as well. Don't forget, Jonah is a prophet of the Lord. I mean, that is a weighty calling. And the accountability there of the prophetic calling is great. Yet we see God's mercy is extended again and again to Jonah. Let me list the ways that God has extended and is extending mercy to Jonah here. So, first of all, the storm itself was like a trumpet heralding, wake up, Jonah, repent. It's one. The second, the lots. The casting of the lots was trying to, you know, discover the divine will. Proverbs 16.33, it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And so, God, he was sovereignly orchestrating these events. And again, like a spotlight, here's more time for you, Jonah. Repent. See, God knows, and he's calling you to turn back to him. That's the second way we see God's mercy. The third way is the interrogation. The mariners asked Jonah a slew of questions trying to find out, you know, why the lots pointed to him. Well, Jonah even has to admit, you know, who he is. He says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Guilt upon guilt. Again, spotlight, it's obvious, you have done wrong, Jonah. Admit it. Turn back from it. And then, last of all, so we see God's mercy in the tempest. We see God's mercy in the lots. We see God's mercy in the interrogation. And we see God's mercy in the mariners themselves. The mariners were responding. They even tried to save Jonah even after they knew what Jonah had done. 
They tried their hardest to row back to the shore. They sought to save this one man, these Gentiles. They had what on Jonah? Well, they had compassion on Jonah in the midst of his evil, while Jonah would not have compassion on Nineveh in the midst of their evil. God's mercy extended. And so it is still. Perhaps tonight you need to take heed. You need to flee from disobedience. God has made it plain to you tonight, and he has made it plain to you again and again. How merciful he is. We see here with Jonah as well, the the flip side of this, that disobedience is hardening. Jonah has become hardened by the effects of his disobedience. He would sleep in the boat. He would be blind to God's mercy extended to him again and again. Yet, there would be one who would sleep in a boat who would not be running from God. But he came doing nothing but the will of God. He would rise and he would come awake from his sleep and he would command the storm, be still. And it obeyed. And he was not guilty. He had done no wrong. And he was not fleeing. Coming to save us. Mercy extended. So let me urge you to take heed to God's mercy. Take heed to it. Do it. Run to God and flee from disobedience and don't reverse them. How merciful is our God and may it be that we see, live, and extend that mercy as he has so greatly to us as well. Let's pray.